0: Welcome, Ghosts and Ghouls. I'm Joanna Hemlock, back again with Marshall and Mike. And we're here to present an extra spooky Halloween special episode of Dick Rogers' Space Detective.
1: Oh yes, I have to say, this one has got to be one of my absolute favorites. Well,
0: by all means, introduce it for us.
2: You should probably introduce Marshall before she introduces the show.
0: Good catch, Mike. Eleanor couldn't be with us today. Um, wait, Mike, why isn't she here? She said she had to stay home and burp her Tupperware. Oh, yeah. Anyway, since she wasn't able to make it, we thought we'd invite Marshall here. Hello. To join us for this episode, since she's got such an affinity for the script. I've got a what? Never mind.
1: (laughs) All right, everyone, get your candy buckets ready, because we've got the spooktacular Dick Rogers in the case of the Undead Spaceman.
0: Ooh, very spooky.
1: (laughs) Before we get started with the episode, I do wanna talk about it real quick. Of course, that's what we always do here. (laughs) What's notable about this episode is it's the first time the series delves into horror. Albeit, it's still pretty lighthearted and not too scary here, but it's a downward slope from there.
0: Well, the original air date of this was October 18th, 1968. No doubt the episode was influenced by the likely recent Dawn of the Dead.
1: Yeah, that must've come out around then, right? It must have. I know it was somewhere in the 60s.
2: Uh, To answer that question, Night of the Living Dead came out October 1st, 1968.
0: Wow, like two weeks earlier. So someone must have seen that film and fast-tracked an episode into production.
1: Well, it probably didn't help that at the time, Pulp Sci-Fi was on the decline, so they were probably looking for anything to draw in audiences. Superhero comics were having similar issues as well.
3: Uh,
0: Sorry, I'm getting some... Feedback in the audio? Is that on the recording?
2: I, I can't find the source of it. None of my equipment is responding.
0: Oh my god, are we being hacked?
2: <laughs> yes,
3: actually.
0: Wait, what? Zanzus? That's not possible. I thought they voted you
3: out of the show. I'm not playing pirate radio here to argue about what is or isn't possible. I'm not about to sit here and let you waste a Halloween special on Dickhead Rogers. But
0: didn't you die? What? In the last episode of the trilogy that introduced you, you definitely died.
3: Yeah, that's what retcons are for. Somebody must have liked me enough to bring me back. Oh, you hear that? That's the sound of me muting your mic. So, today's episode was originally broadcasted whenever the references make sense. And if you really want, you can pretend this episode isn't canon like a Treehouse of Horror episode. (laughs)
2: space. The infinite darkness that surrounds us all. Ever since man first looked up at the stars, they knew fear. Fear of the unknown, and what they might find waiting there, or what they might not. Brought to you with minimal commercial interruption by the Zithrax family of companies. Zithrax, we know what you want, when you want it. Because we're always watching you. And tonight... We bring you Captain Zanzus versus the Planet of the Dead.
3: I woke like most protagonists often do, with the worst hangover of my life. As if the devil himself decided to punch me in the face repeatedly for like a million years. I sat up and noticed the woman lying next to me whose name I couldn't remember. Frankly, I doubt she gave it to me in the first place. But I sure gave it to her, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Anyway, from the looks of it, I think she was one of the dancing girls from the club I was at last night, and that's assuming I can accurately remember last night. It wasn't until I climbed out of bed that I noticed how swanky the hotel room was, but it didn't really tell me about where I was. A trip to the window answered that question. I pulled the curtain back and was met with excruciatingly bright sunlight. My vision was flanked by tall buildings with signs that would be illuminated come nightfall. I looked down and I could see what... Should be streets, but instead found dark swamp water. Then I remembered where I was. This was what was commonly known as Swamp Vegas, official designation HB-598 or Harbinger 5. This was a little mud ball on the edge of the known universe. Imagine if Vegas and Venice were the same place, and that place was Louisiana. The majority of it is swampland, and due to that and its location, the intergalactic mafia took a liking to the place, and here they built one of the largest casino resorts in the universe. But not just casinos. Bars, restaurants, and my favorite, gentlemen's clubs, as they make me call them on the radio. But you know what I'm talking about. I like to come here and lay low after big heists, or whenever I need to keep the gif off my radar for a bit. They were paid to pretend this place didn't exist, which kind of made it neutral ground. But then my date from last night was awake.
2: So do you want to get breakfast?
3: We got dressed without saying a word to each other, and I paid her for her generous services from the night before. The two of us left the hotel room and we went our separate ways. I was on a mission to fill my gut and deal with this damn hangover, and it was down in the restaurant attached to the hotel where I found my salvation. I walked in and found the most beautiful thing I'd ever laid my eyes on. An all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. I didn't even care that the scrambled eggs were the rehydrated kind. I was too busy building a breakfast burrito the size of my own head and coffee blacker than space itself. But it was at that time I overheard something that caught my attention.
4: And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for that damn Dick Rogers and his sidekicks.
3: I immediately invited myself to sit at the table this group was sitting at. What's this I hear about, Dick Rogers?
4: What's it to you, you young whippersnapper?
3: Well, I happen to be his personal nemesis, so I'm always up for almost-gotten stories.
5: <laughs> personal nemesis?
3: Oh uh, yeah? And what's yours?
5: Well, not only did I trick the doof into assisting me on a heist, I used him as the fall guy and left him stuck in a booby-trapped vault with no way out. I got away with the Galaxia Sapphire and sold it for a fortune. Though I never did find out how he got out of that.
3: Oh, so you were behind the Galaxia Sapphire Caper. I always wondered about that. Alright, not bad, not bad. I proceeded to tell them about my last run-in with Rogers, the kidnapping of his porn star doppelganger and capture of Rogers himself, eventually leading to his escape and thwarting of my plans, leaving me and my crew scattered across the galaxy. I made sure to embellish as many details as possible, and either they didn't notice the fourth wall breaks or they chose to ignore them.
1: A fancy story, but he still did beat you in the end. And right when you had him dead to rights.
3: Uh, but he also beat us too, boss.
1: Don't remind me. Thanks to Rogers, I get to see your ugly mug in the mirror every day.
3: Yeah, somebody want to explain the conjoined twins in the room?
1: (sighs) Dum-Dum and I used to be two separate people. I used to be known as the Starlight Siren. Big boy here was my primary muscle, called himself the Graviton. Rogers and I previously had a twisted history, a romantic rivalry of sorts. But during one caper where I tried to steal a moon made entirely of gold, there was a teleporter malfunction, permanently fusing me and my muscle brain partner together.
3: We go by Starlight Graviton now.
1: It's not a great name, but we couldn't figure out anything else that works.
3: It was my idea. Clearly, and you must be so proud. So I guess that makes us some kind of we got our asses kicked by dick Rogers' support group
4: Speak for yourselves. You left Rogers alive, so as far as I'm concerned, you're in the same space boat as the rest of us.
3: We continued jabbing and bickering with each other as breakfast wore on. You know, like friends do. And we were on our way out to the bright sunlight of midday, looking to take the day when there was suddenly a loud explosion above (laughs) us. We all looked up and spotted a large ship entering the atmosphere of the planet. It was clear to see it was out of control and was coming down fast. We thought it was going to come down on top of us, but it only took the top a few floors off a nearby skyscraper as it sailed over us and crashed into the swamp a few miles outside of the city. What the hell was that? Well, if they were aiming for the spaceport, they missed.
5: We should go check it out. For what reason?
3: Yeah, sounds like a lot of none of my business.
5: There might be survivors... Rescue attempts are going to be focused around here first, leaving anyone in that ship to fend for themselves. You can't seriously be so cruel as to just leave people like that. I'll go by myself if I have to, but it'll be much smoother with help. There may even be a reward for being such good Samaritans.
3: Might be loot worth stealing.
5: (sighs) Yes, and there might be something worthwhile to take, if that's going to be your motivation, fine.
3: Considering that aerial vehicles were prohibited outside of the spaceport, we were forced to get ourselves a form of transportation more favored by the locals. Comparatively rather primitive, but effective. We got ourselves a fan boat and followed the trail of the crashed ship. It was a few miles out and the trip would take us about an hour to get there, which meant an hour in the hot and humid swamp atmosphere. Normally that'd be hell, and for everyone else, it might have been. They all looked various forms of sweaty.
1: So how come you're not miserable like the rest of us? Bah, this is nothing. Back on Lee's show, it got
5: way worse than this. Still doesn't explain why this one doesn't seem bothered by the heat when he's wearing a leather coat.
3: That would be because this coat here is reinforced to protect me from blaster fire, which means I pretty much wear it everywhere. It also has its own temperature control unit built in. Plus, it looks really cool on the action figure. What I wasn't telling them was that I was carrying a pair of blaster pistols holstered beneath my coat. Normally, weapons weren't allowed once you land on the planet, but if I can sneak a pair of blaster pistols through, who knows what else somebody else might have. Can't be too careful. It was an hour later when we finally arrived on the scene. The ship managed to hit the only dry patch of land for miles, and even then it was sunk halfway into the swamp. The name painted along the side designated it as the Gladys. Never heard of it.
1: Has anyone noticed how old this ship model is? Yeah, I haven't seen this model in decades.
3: I assume it's been drifting in space for that long. I can't imagine there's anyone alive in there, so it sounds like our rescue mission turned into a smashing grab with a dash of grave robbing. I can smash. Real good at it. Good! Now, let's hurry up before someone else gets here. I think we have, um, what's it called? Founders' rights? Salvage rights. And
5: that's assuming there's no one alive inside, which we'll have to investigate.
3: Well, we'll have to find a hatch to get in. We tie the boat to a nearby tree stump and step into the dry bank, and I should tell you that dry was an exaggeration. I was lucky I was getting my boots back each time I lifted a foot, and it was due to that we noticed something. Are those
1: footprints coming away from the ship? Perhaps
4: the natives already came to investigate.
3: Natives on this planet are those black lagoon-looking fish people. They don't wear shoes, and I doubt they drag their feet like this.
4: I can see from here that all of the hatches have already been opened, too.
3: Oh, well, let's look alive in case someone got here before us. We approach the ship and climb inside. To our amazement, the lights were still on. The ship's interiors were worn and old, surfaces covered in grime and a dark substance that's long dried. What happened here? Whatever it was, it killed a lot of people. Why you say that? This is blood. Are you sure? Yeah, let's say I'm very familiar with it, and from my judgment, these stains have been dry for years.
5: If that's the case, there'd be bodies, right?
3: Well, there should be. Maybe they were eaten by survivors when food supplies ran out.
1: That's a disgusting thought.
3: We should make our way to the bridge. We can check the log recordings and see what happened here. Calamitous took the lead, being more familiar with these older ships as we made our way to the bridge. As we did, the sights didn't get much better. Streaks of old blood and remains of gore and violence. The halls were painfully silent, the only sound being the echoes of our footsteps as we made our way down to the bridge. Once we got there, we found most of the command consoles were torn apart or smashed.
4: So much for that plan. Not quite. Important data, such as the captain's log, is backed up
1: on the black box.
3: Black box? What's that?
1: Back when people were only using airplanes to fly, a black box was used to store flight data as well as an audio recording of the flight itself. In case a plane ever went down, it could be examined to see what happened.
5: These boxes were made to be nearly indestructible.
1: They became even more so in the
5: advent of space travel.
3: Are we done expositing? So where is this thing?
5: On these old
4: ships they were stored in a compartment beneath the captain's chair.
3: That's a cue, big guy. <laughs> Take that. Sure enough, there it is.
4: Now, let's just see what this baby has to tell us.
3: Captain's log, stardate 73210-4. Wait, what the hell?
4: Is that Dick? That's not possible. From that star date, he'd have to be older than
3: me. We returned from a successful mission, charting a newly discovered star system. We are just on the edge of our own galaxy when we picked up a distress signal. Per GIF regulations, we followed it and discovered a lone astronaut drifting in space. We brought the man aboard and secured him in the medical bay where he could be examined by Professor Willis. The following is a recording of our conversation. Professor, what's your diagnosis?
5: I'm not sure how to say it, Dick, but this man shows no signs of life. That can't be possible. We both saw him moving around. I've run the test multiple times, and yet despite there being movement in that body, there is no heartbeat. And while that technically is brain activity, I would not call it the brain activity of a human.
3: So what does this mean?
5: I can't say. I'll have to run some further examination.
3: Please, let me know what you find.
5: Of course, but let's not tell Leslie. I don't want her to worry.
3: Of course, Professor. Sir, I... I don't know. This all started when we answered that distress call. That... that man was no man, some sort of creature. It bit Professor Willis, infected him with some kind of disease. It... it spread from there like a plague. As far as I know, I'm the last person alive on this ship. I cannot let this thing get back to Earth, to any inhabited planet. I've rerouted the ship's flight path into unknown space. I pray it drifts there, undiscovered, for as long as possible. If we're lucky, it'll be sucked into a black hole or or a star. I've destroyed any means of them being able to change course, and I've jettisoned all the escape pods except for the one I've sealed myself inside now. I...
2: Dick! Dick, please! Please let me in!
3: No, Leslie... You know I can't. You're already dead.
4: Let me in! Oh, let me in! Let me in!
3: I'm sorry, Leslie. I, I can't.
4: Dick, I love you.
3: I know.
2: That, that's the end. Holy! St- the Zithrax family of companies would like to take this time to make you aware of the brand new member of the Zithrax family. The new Zithrax product would be the perfect product. The perfect product for you. Use the product on your car. Use the product with your family. Your wife will love the Zithrax product. Your neighbor will be so jealous of your brand new Zithrax product. Your pets will be so grateful you finally got this Zithrax product. You will be the envy of the Homeowners Association. Daryl from Accounting will want one too, because he's a lowly follower. Not like you, you trendsetter. The Zithrax product will get you a raise. That's a promise. Your in-laws will finally be proud of you. That catty that c- church will finally stick it up her craw. When you die, St. Peter will let you cut to the front of the line past those pearly gates if you buy the new Zithrax product. Call your local Zithrax dealer and let them know that you want the new product today. Warning: Do not use the Zithrax product if you are sensitive to radiation, night terrors, the shadow people that hang out in the corners, paranoia, seafood allergies, male pattern baldness, diabetes, low blood sugar, awareness of higher deities, having the name Tom or Shirley, being a Gemini, or listening to the band Hubistan. Call now and make your life better today. We now return you to the program already in progress.
3: So with that little narrative twist dropped on our heads like a ton of bricks, it took us a moment for any of us to say anything.
2: So,
1: what does this mean?
3: Well, it means that the Dick Rogers we thought we knew ain't exactly what he says he is. It also means that this ship was, and likely still is, full of zombies. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, I don't believe in zombies, because what I heard on that tape was some hardcore brain-eating zombie action. And we're not doing the bit where we pretend we've never seen a zombie movie before. We've all seen The Hollows. We know how this works. This light adventure just became survival horror, and we're getting out of here and off world as soon as possible.
5: Who died and put you in charge here?
3: Everyone on board this ship. Now I think we all need to calm down here. And as if on cue, the door opened and a corpse shuffled through, lunging at the nearest living body. just so happened to be Xyla, who instinctively put her arm up to defend herself. Bad move. It came at her and bit down on her arm, before I could draw my blaster and blow off its head. The shot rang out and fell to a deafening silence. The body hit the floor as I turned the gun on Xyla. Let's not make this harder than it has to be. Wait. No, no waiting. We all know how this works. Get bitten, you're done. No negotiations. Xyla reached up and began to peel what I now realize is artificial skin from her arm, revealing metal beneath. And you were going to tell us you were a cyborg when...
5: Last I checked, it was none of your business.
3: Any other augmentations we should know about?
5: Just the arm and the wing implants. And no, I can't fly any of us back to town. They're strong enough to carry me and me only.
3: How did you get a gun? What? What does that matter?
5: They screen you for weapons when you enter the
3: spaceport. I know. I was there. Are you telling me you didn't sneak weapons past security?
4: I'm a thief. not the only weapon I need. I
3: punch things. Great. So I'm the only one here who's actually armed. Alright, so here's the plan. This is a gift ship, yeah? Which means they probably still have weapons aboard. So we find an armory or a weapons locker or something. There's no telling how many of those things are still aboard.
1: A ship this old, would they even still work? That's assuming there are any left. I assume
5: the crew fought back during the initial outbreak. If they didn't know what a zombie was, they might not have wanted to shoot their own.
3: It's better than nothing. I don't have enough ammo on me to take them all. So if we're done, I suggest we get moving before more show up.
5: I've downloaded a
4: copy of the ship's schematics. There's a security armory just down the corridor.
3: Well then, let's get moving. I'll take point. Xyla and Graviton stay behind me. Anything that gets past me is yours. Smash the heads and do not let them bite you and Calamitous will navigate. The mood got tense as we prepared ourselves. Beyond the doors were a collection of zombies that had filtered out from their hiding places. They turned to us as we stepped into the corridor... They growled and moaned in our general direction as they shuffled our way. Thankfully, they were slow as we made our way down the hall. They were sparse enough that we could wait for them to get close before disposing of them. Problem was that even my laser blasters made noise, and that noise drew attention. The crowd began to thicken as we went deeper, but we managed to barely make it to the security arsenal before slipping in and locking the door behind us. All right, grab everything you can carry. Those doors aren't going to last forever.
1: If this ship is so old, will these weapons even work? GIF
4: standard protocol is that all weapons be atmospherically sealed when in storage. Meaning they could sit here for eons, and they'd work as well as the day they were made. Seriously, they don't even preserve their food this well. But what they do with their
3: guns? God bless America. With equipment locked and loaded, all that was left was making our escape through the same door that we came in, which by now had a swarm of zombies trying to beat it down. All right, everybody, I'm to make this quick. Rule number one, make your shots count. I do not want to be clipped by friendly fire. There are no other rules. And with that, it was hunting season. Guns at the ready, we threw the doors open and met the tide with a wall of bullets. The tight corridors of the ship came to our advantage, bottlenecking them into a more manageable lineup. We pushed through the crowd and made a rush to the nearest hatch to the outside world. Turns out it was much faster to just let the starlight Graviton burst through. Thankfully, our boat was still there and we climbed aboard and shoved off, speeding back to the city as fast as we could.
4: I think we have to address the reality of the situation at hand. And that is, by the time we reach town, it may be already too
1: late. It's obvious those things escaped the ship before we got there. We probably went right over top of them as we came in.
3: So either way, the plan is, once we get into town, we stop for nothing and no one and go straight for the spaceport. Try and preserve as much ammo as you can. No stupid heroics. You'll just get us all killed.
1: Easy for you to say. You're probably used to leaving people to die.
3: I get that this is the part of the story where the stress starts to get to us and we tear into each other, but regardless of how you feel about the merits of my character, it's what's going to get us out of here alive. Hard to trust a pirate.
1: That's true. How do we know you're not going to stab us all in the back when it most benefits
3: you? You don't. True, I could just slip away during a fight and make my escape, but I can also say the same about the rest of you. Let's be real, none of us are angels here. We're all thieves, liars, con men, and criminals. We're all here because we screwed someone over at some point.
5: Enough! We get your point. We're all scumbags and we can't really trust each other. But fighting amongst ourselves is not how we'll get out of this. So, just for now, let's try to trust each other. No double-crossing, no backstabs. Deal? Deal.
3: Stealing my thunder. The rest of the ride was silent, dread hanging over us as we tried to get back to town as fast as we could. But there was nothing that could prepare us for what we found when we got there. When it hit the fan here, it hit fast. Walkways were filled with people trying to escape the attacking dead. Bodies and crashed boats already filled the waterways. It was clear that the less morally compromised of our group were struggling not to react to the sights as we waded through the carnage, keeping any stray zombies from reaching us as we made our way to the spaceport.
4: So... What happens when we get there and all the ships are gone already?
3: I have an emergency beacon that I can use to try and contact my crew, if there are any left at this point. It'd be a long shot, but it's a backup plan. Problem is, in order to give it enough juice to broadcast into deep space, I have to connect it to the communications array on the top floor of the spaceport. We were all startled by a sudden explosion that brought a nearby building down, but from the rubble climbed something none of us expected massive, and I seriously mean kaiju-sized lizard. Its scaly skin seemed dull and straight-up missing in places, exposing bone beneath.
5: And just what is that?
3: Salamandra
4: Inflammatous. This planet's equivalent to an Earth dinosaur. When the planet became swampland, larger animals like this would get stuck and drown and their bodies preserved in the swamp. These creatures must have infected
3: it! Any other good news, Brainiac? The monster answered for me, belching a burst of fire across the waterway, melting the walls of a nearby building. It uh breathes fire. We gunned it and raced down the waterway. Unfortunately, the monster noticed and gave chase. We dodged abandoned boats and bursts of fire as we made our way to the space. It was coming up fast, we weren't about to slow down. We hit an overturned boat and use it as an escape route to launch us into the air, crashing from the window of the spaceport. We were tossed from the boat, except for Starlight Graviton, but before any of us could do anything about it, the monster smashed its head through the wall, chomping down on the boat, with them still inside and flailing about with it. Xyla took a shot and struck a conveniently placed oxygen, causing the entire thing to explode. It caused enough damage to deter the monster as we made our escape, slipping into a utility stairwell and slamming the heavy door shut behind us. All was silent for a moment as we caught our breath. So, do we want to talk about that? No. Xyla started up the stairs with the rest of us behind. It was a long way to the top, but this stairwell seemed pretty empty. No doubt the lifts were out of order at this point. First time. What? Killing someone.
5: Remember the part where I said I didn't want to talk about it?
3: Hey, that's up to you, but I know the first time sticks with you.
5: Even after all the others?
3: Like it was yesterday. Fun fact, I used to live on a real garbage ball of an earth colony. That's not an exaggeration. It was an actual ball of garbage. Where I'm from, you're born into a mountain of debt, you spend the rest of your life paying it off, and then they charge you to die. A group of us got real sick of the whole thing and led a revolt. My first kill was our good-for-nothing supervisor after we stole a ship to get off colony. Then our corporate overlords considered the colony to be too high-risk and nuked the place. They put the blame for that on me.
5: That's supposed to make me feel better?
3: Not really. It's just a retcon to make my character a little more likable. (laughs) Reminds me And we're at the top! Finally! I thought we'd never get there. At the top of the stairwell, the doors open to the spaceport control center. It was eerily quiet and empty. Calamitous sat at the console and started digging into the system.
5: What are the odds there's still a working ship in the port? Not good. From what I can see in the flight logs,
4: those who could escape during the initial attack already did. Any ships that are left are too damaged to make it off-world.
3: Well, good thing we have a plan B, then. Removing my wrist communicator, I attached it to the computer console. You'll want to execute the emergency program.
4: Message transmitting. And message received. That was fast.
3: We're in luck, then. They must be close.
4: Then I guess
5: I no longer have a need for you.
3: Behind us, in the main doorway, stood a man who appeared to be halfway through the zombie transformation process. He wore a lab coat, and his head seemed significantly larger than normal. Behind him was a swarm of zombies, but instead of coming to attack us, they stood behind the guy, waiting like obedient pets. And who do you think you are?
5: You may refer to me as Professor Willis, the most brilliant mind in the galaxy. It was your voice on the recording on the ship. Yes, I was on the ship that crashed here. When I was infected by that virus, I used my superior intellect to keep myself from fully turning, allowing myself to control it, and to control the creatures infected by it. I would have been able to spread this across the galaxy! I would have used this to create a true utopia if it weren't for that damn dick,
3: Rogers! you know, Rogers isn't exactly on our Christmas card list, either. Shut up, you.
5: There's no room for you and your kind in my utopia.
3: Around him, he managed to pull metal pieces off the wall with his mind or something, because I guess telekinesis is a thing he can do now. But before any of us could attack, a voice broke through the crowd. Daddy? From the horde shuffled a girl, or, or used to be a girl. The zombification process, much further along, looked like someone was trying and failing to keep that process at bay.
5: Yes, Leslie, my dear. I'm so hungry, Daddy. It hurts. Yes, I know. You'll have their brain soon enough. It'll make you feel much better.
3: This whole interaction was really gross, frankly, and I wasn't just going to sit there and watch. I saw an opportunity and raised my gun shooting a girl. As far as I'm concerned, it was a mercy killing. As the body dropped to the ground, Willis's gaze turned back to us, clearly enraged. Ah! Those metal shards flew at us, and Xyla and I were able to get out of the way. Calamitous was not. They pierced his torso and, <clears throat> and pinned him to the computer console behind him as the horde broke their obedient trance and began to approach. Xyla went to help him, but Calamitous knew better, pulling one of the grenades from his belt. Go! It's too late for me. I'll try to hold them off, just... Go! Roof is the only option at this point. Xyla hesitated but followed as we raced up another set of stairs to the roof, slamming and bolting the door shut behind us. Moments later, an explosion rocked the building below us. Damn it! We're almost there! Now's not the time to break down! Shut up! She pointed her gun at me. She was clearly starting to crack under the stress of the situation.
5: I am so sick and tired of you. You know there's nothing stopping me from killing you here. In fact, I bet I'd be rewarded for it.
3: Yeah, you're probably right, and by this point, I'm sure I deserve that. Out of all the bad guys, I'm the worst. But if you want to kill me or turn me in or whatever, you can do it when we're off this planet. I didn't think she was buying it, but her response was interrupted by the building beneath us shaking. A loud roar told us that the giant monster from earlier was scaling the building. It reached the top, snarling at us. Well, if you're gonna kill me, you'd better do it now before this thing does. Zyla instead turned her gun at the monster. I did the same. We were under no illusions that we were actually going to kill it, but I don't think either of us wanted to just let it eat us. After we pestered it enough, it opened its jaws to unleash a burst of fire on us. We prepared for the worst when a bright light flew over our heads. I recognized it as a plasma missile. It flew right into the monster's mouth, igniting whatever gases or fluids in its maw and caused the head to explode as a small gunship passed overhead. It descended onto the roof of the building and lowered the landing hatch. I stepped forward onto the ship with Xyla close behind. The hatch closed and we lifted off the building as the roof access door broke down and the horde stumbled through, much too late to stop us as we rose into the atmosphere.
5: I'm sorry about earlier.
3: If I held a grudge over everyone who's wanted to kill me, I'd get nothing done.
5: I guess. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still don't like you.
3: Yeah, I get that a lot. But I also hear my rough-around-the-edges personality grows on you eventually.
0: God, I hope not.
3: I climbed further into the ship to see who our rescuer was, and was surprised to see a familiar face.
0: I'm pleased to see you're still alive, Captain.
3: I could say the same for you, Ven, but I get the feeling you'll outlive all of us. Anyone else from the crew still around?
0: Not that I'm aware of. If anyone else has survived, they have
3: not made contact. Yeah, that would be my luck, but we've started from nothing before. We can do it again.
0: And what of our passenger?
3: Nah, drop her off at the next spaceport. She can figure herself out from there. It was going to be a long trip to proper civilization again, but we were alive. The two of us were anyway. That must count for something. Oh, they're going to blame this on me, aren't they? Yeah, put a third plan on the rap sheet. Good night, everybody!
0: Are are we back?
3: Uh, Yes, I think we're back.
0: Yes, well, that certainly was an episode. I thought it was pretty fun. It certainly could have been much worse, but that is all the time we have for today, so thank you, loyal listeners, for tuning in to Dick Rogers' Space Detective we promise to have more dick rogers next time
2: please feel free to follow us on our social media we're on facebook at dick rogers pod and on instagram at dick rogers space detective and twitter at rogers space and you can join the nerds on patreon at patreon.com slash space underscore detective
0: and make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and maybe leave us a five-star rating if you think about it but, be sure to join us for your next dick appointment. Same space time, same space place.
2: This episode's nerds are... Wendy Wilwert as Joanna, Calamitous Jenks, and Van, Erica Wilson as Marshall and Starlight Graviton A. Michael Storm as Mike Nutley and Starlight Graviton B. Logan Wright as Zanzas and Dick Rogers. Emily Anderson as Xyla and Professor Willis. And Angela Ventris as announcer Date and Leslie. Captain Zanzas vs. the Planet of the Dead was written by Logan Wright. Sound design by Michael Storm. Music by Nicholas Johnson. Audio editing by Nicholas Johnson.